years. As long as you get married. I need that wedding. I need some beauty and some music and some place cards before I die. I saw that going differently in my mind. You know what's wrong with you? No, what? Welcome to The Dating Debrief. I'm your host, Thomas Tucker. Here we try to provide a safe environment for people to share their experiences with looking for love and intimacy. I interview people of all walks of life on this show, and while I neither condone nor condemn their behavior, the purpose is to share their stories with the rest of you so we can all better understand one another. This podcast endeavors to create a safe and respectful LGBTQIAC loving space where we listen with love and respect to people of all races, faiths, walks of life, sexual preferences and identities, and where we stress consent, understanding, respect for others, and love between all people. This podcast may contain profanity or descriptions of triggering events as we explore some of the trauma that some of our guests have experienced. Remember, you can stop listening at any time. Please help us provide an ongoing, supportive, and soul-searching environment to delve deeper into people's personal experiences with dating, frustrations, celebrations, challenges, and learn a little bit about how others are looking for love and long-term romantic connection. Welcome back to The Dating Debrief. Today we talk with Sarah. This last weekend, I made a post on my Facebook page asking if there were any individuals who would like to be interviewed for the show. And I got an interesting Facebook message from a friend. The Facebook message read as follows. Hey, hey, do you have anyone who has never been in a relationship like ever in her 32 years of life? Now, knowing my friend Sarah, I know that she has dated, but I found it fascinating that she would say that she's never been in a relationship in her 32 years of life. So I immediately reached out. We made time to spend some quality time together talking about what was on her mind and what kind of story she wanted to tell. I do apologize for the audio quality in this particular podcast on my part. I messed up a setting when recording this podcast and recorded on my laptop microphone by mistake. But I do hope that you will enjoy the conversation anyway and get something out of it. Enjoy. So I posted on Facebook the other day to see if anybody on my friends list would be interested in in talking. And you sent me that message. You sent me a message basically saying, you know, what, what would uh, what would I think about talking about um, you having never been in a relationship? Like, in you're 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 thirty you're thirty two now, yeah. and uh, and you said and you said you've never been in a relationship. Nope, never had a boyfriend in my life. So tell us what's going on. What's, uh, tell, tell me what's going on. I, mean, that's, I, don't, I don't really talk in, in the plural as if, <laughs> as if I'm speaking to a whole lot of, whole lot of mysterious people on the internet. 
Um, no, tell me, tell me, tell me what's going on. You're 32. Um, you're adorable. You have great charisma, and you have never had a boyfriend. Yeah. So okay. Early childhood, I don't really remember much. Um, I remember having crushes and stuff like that, but it never led anywhere because I was a very, very shy child. Um, And then when I got into my teenage years, I just, like, flew into this, like, self-recluse type thing. And I didn't want to, like, talk to anybody or do anything with anybody. And so I didn't actually blossom until I became an adult. So probably around my 20s is when I really started like going out there but then I realized that you know guys just want one thing and why can't I have just one thing I just wanted to have sex so that's all it turned out to be for most of them I've had a lot of one night stands which sounds really terrible and whorish but I also have like this fear of commitment where Mm. I if I start dating or talking to somebody on a dating app, I'll talk to them. And then once we meet, we end up hooking up. And then like, I literally, I run. Like, did you ever see that movie Runaway Bride? Oh yeah. I love that movie. I watch it. Whenever I want to have a really good cry, I'll watch a movie like Runaway Bride and the scene at the end. Oh my God. It gets me every time. Oh my God. I know. I'm waiting for that scene at the end. That will be my life. But for now, I just, I run. (laughs) So you, okay. So in your twenties, you started getting out there to meet people. And you said you identified that, or you said you kind of noticed the guys were just looking for one thing, just to hook up and and have sex. But at that point in your life, you were okay with it. You were fine with a hookup culture. Yeah. um, I mean, I was. Or, Or were you, or were you never really okay with it? Like, did you pretend to be okay with it? See, I think I was, I'm okay with it, especially looking back at my 20s now. Like, I don't regret any of it. I kind of regret not remembering some of their names because, you know, society and how they judge you and this and that. But, you know, whatever. So judgy. It happens. But no, like, I just, in my 20s, there was actually um, a guy that I met this couple at Java. And I ended up starting to hook up with a guy because they were in an open relationship. And we were like, we just like were, were fuck buddies for about a year and a half. And it was after him and his girlfriend broke up that she told me that, you know, yes, they were in an open relationship, but he never told her about me. So towards the end of my life, yeah. So end of my 20s, I was really like, you know what? Fuck this. Then I went through another horror phase where I was like, you know, I'm just going to sleep with guys and just fucking leave them. Like, it's fine. And you're going to take back the power. You're going to be like, fuck, I, like you'll bolt before they can reject you. Exactly. And it's like, he didn't reject me. I mean, he kind of did. Because when I was having lunch with his ex, um, it just happened to be like, I went up to Java and I was working on school stuff. and there she only knew me in the restaurant and every single table was full so I was like yeah come sit with me you know I've had your ex-boyfriend in me all the like for a long time so (laughs) might as well like come sit (laughs) hang out and it got to the topic of like 
Cameron and this and that and all the things. And she was like, yeah, I think he was seeing someone here at Java, but I don't know who. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was that was me. And she was like, what? And so I immediately messaged him. I was like, so you didn't tell her about me, but you're in an open relationship. Like, what's what's the logic behind that? So for a year and a half, you knew this guy hooked up together, kind of kind of a friends with benefits kind of thing, but he explained that he was in an open relationship. Oh yeah. They him and his girlfriend would come into Java frequently. Like they were regulars there. I was their waitress. Like me. Everybody knew that they were my table. <laughs> When you get into an open relationship, should you talk with both people? Like, should you talk with both people at the beginning before getting into an open relationship and be like, okay, I'm going to date this person. Is that cool with you? But it sounds like you never, you never had a conversation about the relationship with the female partner until it was over. Exactly. And that's, that's, you know, you live and you learn. And that's where I found the biggest flaw in what I was doing. And I felt just gross afterwards. I was like, ew, like I told him from the beginning, I didn't want to be the other woman. And the way he convinced me was he was saying that they were in an, they are in an open relationship. One of my other coworkers was really good friends with them. And she was like, I can verify they are in an open relationship. I know she knows about you, like, just have fun with it. And so, and he was just brutally hot, like, just gorgeous from head to toe. And she was beautiful. And she was like, um, like a bodybuilder, but also a model. Like, I was just in awe, because I was like, there's no way this couple is gonna let me in. Well, she was leaving for a trip to Mexico with a couple of her friends. And as she was leaving, she looks at me and she was like, you have a good weekend. And she winks at me. And I took that as a sign because he and I had just been talking the night before about, you know, me going over to his place the next day because she was going to be out of town and he wanted me to keep him company. And I was like, I don't know, not until I get the okay from her. And that happened Hmm. the very next day. So, I so you took that to- as like a subtle, yeah, you like have a good weekend with, with my partner. Exactly. I mean, that makes total sense. A lot of, a lot of communication is subtle in body language and, and shit. Like people, why come out, why come out and say, have a good weekend fucking my guy or, you know, fucking the guy that both of us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't say that in public, especially not at a, at a restaurant. Well, I do, but, but she, you know, <laughs> normal, normal people don't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, I mean, she's, she's like, have a good weekend, winky face uh, in person and then takes off and you go, okay, yeah, this is, this is tacit agreement for me to start some shit, start, start it up. And quite honestly, that that year and a half to two years of all the things that were happening, like, was the years that that I grew the most. Like, I became more confident in myself. I, I became more outspoken, especially at Java. Like, I would go sit down with people more. And, and that's when I really blossomed and became the person, essentially, that I am now. Um so like he he kind of helped me through that and it's probably the only interesting mm. 
part of my life, really, is that one little tidbit. Did it just happen to coincide that those years, uh, that that time was, was the same time that you were seeing him? Or did seeing him, was he talking to you about personal growth? Was he helping you like feel better about yourself? Or was it just being wanted, feeling wanted, being desired? Um, I think it was just a coincidence because I was also um, doing martial arts at that time and I was really big into it. So mm. I was losing weight and I was getting stronger and like he would compliment me on my body and being like, oh, you know, you can t- I can tell that you're losing weight because of your hips here. And he would like point it out. My favorite thing, though, which I miss this part, I do miss he would greet me. One, he would be naked on the bed, which is just always a good sign. But he would go <laughs> with a glass of whiskey and he'd be like, here's your drink. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> that was my favorite part. When you came over to his place, he would be naked on the bed already holding a glass of whiskey for you? Yep. Wow. That that leaves no question about what what is happening. Exactly. I mean, Did like- you ever go on dates did he ever court you did he did you spend time together other than sexual no um so you you would show up it's fuck time oh yeah and and then leave yeah like i'm not a dress kind of girl but if i knew i was going over to his place i had a specific dress that i would wear every single time i went over there because i knew it's the easiest thing to get off easiest thing to get on did you did you ever want anything more than that? Or were you fine coming into this and, and the entire year and a half, were you fine with it just being sex? I was actually pretty okay with it. I, I think I was fine with it just being sex, just because I was working full-time at Java. I was going to school full-time. I didn't have a lot of time for, like, dates or going out to the movies or doing any of that stuff so I mean it it worked with my schedule it worked with his schedule it just worked but even though you had an ongoing relationship with this one person for a year and a half you don't consider that to be a relationship no why well just because we didn't do things like he had his girlfriend that was his girlfriend I was the fuck buddy on the side which I was okay with um I don't see it as a relationship because we never we never discussed anything of that nature. Like we just knew what it was when it was. And when it was over, it was over. Like that was it. And it's just one of those things that you just you kinda knew. Did you want a relationship in your twenties when you were going out there and because you used the language, um, guys were only looking for one thing. Did you initially want something else, a a relationship, or were you just looking for to get your needs met in your 20s as well, leading up to this relationship? Oh, yeah. Um, I think definitely in my early 20s, I really wanted a relationship, but I just, I got into, like, just the wrong crowd, and it wasn't the people that you would want to have a relationship with. Because Mm -hmm. in my 20s, I saw myself like, you know, maybe settling down, buying a house or something. And then I started college. I was like, fuck that. I don't have time for this shit. So I don't have time to go dating somebody or trying to find Mr. Right. Like, I just, 
time was not right for me. And that's the biggest thing that even now, like, I'm about to start school again and finish up my bachelor's degree. And I'm going to be going to school for like, you know, taking nine course hours or whatever, and I'll be working full time. So it's like, it just doesn't really line up. No, I remember in my twenties um, and how desperately I wanted a forever partner. Like I've always wanted to just be with one person. I, I was engaged for the first time. Well, really the only time I was engaged at 18 to my high school sweetheart. Oh, wow. And so I, I wanted that to be the only woman that I had ever slept with, the only woman I would ever be with. And, but she broke it off and that ended. And then I was like, well, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> and as I was in college and going to weekend parties and, and getting t- totally wasted and, and midnight would come around and I'd be like, it's, it's, it's toga time. And people were like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, you either take off all your clothes and put on a towel or a toga, or you get out of the house. And uh, just, just it instigating lots of, lots of sex. And, uh, but, but even though I would instigate it, and even though I acted like that's what I wanted on the outside, that is, it never made me feel good. It's never what I actually wanted. And as I look back on my twenties, the times that I attempted relationships with, uh, with, with great women, I sabotaged those relationships by being so afraid that they would end that I was never really in them. Like I would, I would keep them at a distance. I would be nervous the entire time. I would, um, I would, I wouldn't talk about my real interests or my real feelings. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't fucking know what, like how to honestly show up. So I was just like, and I think in some situations, I think, I just wanted to not be alone. So I was like, okay, if I fuck this person, they'll stick around in in some circumstances. And it kind of worked. Like it kind of kept people around for a little while, but it wasn't until, I don't think it was until I I got, I I sobered up in my, in my early thirties that I, that I didn't have the ability to just, come home and make drinks and, and I guess kind of pass the time on my own. I had to kind of be there, sit alone with myself and I, that I finally felt lonely. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I would really like a partner, but I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of us go through that in our twenties. We're, we're really just looking for how to connect with other people. We're looking for what kind of connection we want. So in, right. in your, in your twenties, you were just doing your best. I mean, just like we're all doing and then you ended up in this relationship for a year and a half. When it was over, how did you feel about it? When it was over and you had the discussion with the female partner and she was like, oh, it was you. How did you feel after that discussion was over about the relationship? Were you, were you glad that you had been in it? Would you like another one like it? Um, or did you identify that you wanted something different? Um. So I'm I'm definitely open. Like now I know for relationships like that to be more open. So I wouldn't be completely opposed. Um, but finding a couple is like like them is like once in a blue moon. It's it's I don't know. But I would definitely do something different. I would talk to the female partner. I would make sure that she knew. Um I don't I don't regret it. 
um, just because like it was a really great confidence boost for me. And like, even now, like when I think back to it, I'm like, you know what, that first night that like we got together, it was, it was really eye opening for me just because I didn't realize that somebody could like do the things he did to me the way that he did. Like it just felt like there was definitely a connection there. Granted, it was just a sexual connection, but still a connection. Um, but I don't know. It felt good to be, it felt good to be needed. Like, I don't think looking back at it, no, maybe he did. Maybe it was like a want. I don't know. I don't know how to, to explain it in that sense. Like, I don't know if it was felt, it felt good to be wanted. Cause I'm not a hundred percent like convinced in my head that I was what he wanted, but it was good to be needed. Yeah. I think it's also good to have somebody to message, have a secret. I think it's also sexy to have somebody waiting for you to get there and the anticipation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, hell, you had your drink poured. Uh, There was a tacit, I mean, there was an understanding of exactly what it was. Um, There's there's an emotional safety in that too. It's kind of nice to... Be like, hey, we're on the same page. This, these, these are the boundaries. These are the conditions, and then, and then you. That go actually, on. that reminds me. Okay, so I think I know. I think I can pinpoint exactly when I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just gonna just have sex with dudes and like leave after that or whatever before they could leave me. Um, so in my early twenties, um. I did have a a friend named Justin and we were really close. Like it was six years of him coming over to my place and watching movies. We never had a sexual relationship, but we connected in a way where I found myself after a few years, like really falling for him and thinking this guy, I could be with this guy. And I tell him how I feel and he ends up not feeling the same for me. And that completely devastated me. And so then I went on, you know, just the rampage of getting with other guys. And that actually happened recently again. So, I mean, I haven't gone on a rampage of uh, sleeping with more people this time just because I'm older and I know better. But, damn, it hurt. So you, how, how long did you, six years? You, you were best friends with this guy for six years? Mm-hmm. And then, and then you told him you had feelings. Yeah. And I felt like things were leading up to it. Like I really felt that he had feelings for me too. Cause like we would go out and we would have like dinner together. And like, whenever the waitress would be like, is this, are y'all together? He would always say yes. He would never correct them or anything of that sort. And then one year for new year's, Um, we went to one of my friend's houses and he ended up driving and we kissed on New Year's Eve or like, you know, the whole countdown and everything. And we had kissed and I I thought, surely he's got feelings for me if this is how it's happening. And it just ended up like crashing and burning. Mm -hmm. So when you told him you had feelings, he just 
he didn't feel the same or how did he, how did he indicate that he didn't reciprocate the feelings? Oh, this is the best part. Um, he told me that there were plenty of fish in the sea and that I was a good person. I just wasn't for him. The, it's not me. It's you. It's not you. It's me speech. Uh huh. Basically. And I was like, Oh, huh. Okay. All right. So it's really hard to tell if somebody is just being a really good friend or if they're interested romantically without explicitly talking about it up front. Oh yeah. It, I mean, you, you guys were friends for so long. Um, you guys were friends for so long. Part of me wants to say, obviously you started as friends. He always communicated as a friend. He didn't try any friends with benefits things or anything else. And that's what I would expect him to continue doing unless something else significant changed. But for you over time, you, your feelings were growing. And so you, it's not, not necessarily confirmation bias, but naturally you would start to see things in his behavior. If he treats you nicely and he enjoys your company and he likes you being around, you, you might start to see some of these everyday things as more than, than what he intends. Yeah. And it's really hard, like being friends with guys. Like for me, I feel like it's easy because I could be one of the guys when, you know, need be. Um, but like another really close friend of mine, I've always had a crush on him, like, you know, a little schoolgirl crush, whatever. Um, but I've always liked him and I'm used to, he's used to people liking him. Like he knows he's gorgeous, whatever. Um, but he's also really shy. So he won't come out of his shell unless you basically make him. Mm-hmm. And so this past new year's, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to get wasted. I'm going to come home and be sober. And I, I meant to ask him in person because I wanted to verify, like, I'm a very open and blunt person. And so when it comes to relationships and stuff like that, I, I kind of get nervous and I either put it in a text message or I just don't say anything. But this time I was like, no, I'm going to say something. So I got home. I, I left my friend's house early, got home got my vodka ready because I knew I was going to get drunk afterwards. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I asked him straight up. I was like, Hey, like I need to know just to, you know, calm my mind. Would we ever be together? Like, could you see yourself dating me ever? And he said, I'm sorry, but no. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, I, I figured, I kind of figured that he's just, too good of a family friend. I don't, I think I read too much into things, especially when I start liking a guy. So girl brain comes into control and I've already been rejected by one guy that I really like. So I, I was already prepared to be rejected by him. And I think that's, that's part of the reason why I run first, because I know that the rejection is coming at some point. You mentioned a couple times that after getting your heart broken, first by the first guy after a year and a half and, and once by your friend um, after six years of friendship. And now this 
other guy that was a close family friend. That seems like three heartbreaks. Or were you not heartbroken by the guy that that uh, ended the relationship, the sex with benefits after a year and a half? I honestly think with him, I was more pissed off. I mm. wasn't hurt, like heartbroken. I was more pissed off that I was the secret and I never wanted to be. I was just so angry that I, I just, I took it out on some really nice guys, unfortunately. Um, one of them being the guy that I had a crush on in high school and he was really vulnerable afterwards, like, cause him and his wife had just split up and they were getting a divorce and I'd always wanted to be with this guy. So I kind of manipulated him. And like right after we had sex, I was like, all right, bye. And like pushed him out the door. Literally? So, literally. What did he do? Um, He messaged me the next day, good morning, beautiful. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Mm-hmm. That didn't go as planned. So I slowly had to like stop responding to a lot of stuff and inviting him out to stuff. So you had a huge crush on him in high school. You yeah, it, had you'd been interested in him before, and then he he was becoming available. You hooked up, but you didn't. You, you there was no part of you that was interested anymore. No. Okay, no. that ship that ship had I, sailed. Yeah, the ship had sailed. I knew he was vulnerable, and I had just like I was so angry at this other guy that I was like, you know what? If I could have that guy, I could have any guy I want. And so I had that guy come over. The other, uh, Stefan was his name. Um, so I had him come over and I was just kind of like teasing him and like a whole bunch of foreplay was going on. And then afterwards I was like, I got mine. I'm done. It was a total power move. Yeah. Did, did you feel better? Like, did it make, did no. it make you feel empowered? I think at the time it did. Um, but but no, um, thinking back on it, I feel really bad. Um, I mean, granted, now he's in a great relationship. Like, he's totally in love with this girl. So I don't feel as bad. But at the time, like, he was he was hurting. I felt like a pretty shitty person afterwards. Hmm. So you, you mentioned a couple of times that you were hurt when you were actually interested in people. And now you self-sabotage. And if you're interested in somebody, you just uh, engage, you, you meet them, you get maybe get physical really fast, and then you bolt before they can get a chance to bolt. When's, when's the last time you were actually, when's the last time you were interested in someone not purely physically? <laughs> um, you mean other than the guy that just rejected me on New Year's? That your friend? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have, have you ever been interested both physically and emotionally and intellectually any of any like good sense of humor, that kind of stuff with, with anybody else that, that you've known? Um, usually they're like, mm, maybe not physically. No. I don't think anyone really checks all of those boxes, honestly, except, no. Who's the last guy you were sexually attracted to? 
sexually attracted to. Um, yeah. That would be Adam. The, the friend? Yeah. Okay. So rarely are you... I mean, you've, you've had some one-night stands. Were you sexually attracted to those people, too? Or were they just company? They were more just company. I think the, the last guy that... So I've... This year, I've told myself that I wasn't going to hook up with anybody on the first date. Kind of fucked that one up. Um, but the first date was actually really awesome. I, this guy's name was... Uh, it was like Patrick or something like Sean. I can't remember his name, which is terrible. I could probably find it on my phone, but I don't remember his name. But we had gone out, had a couple drinks, went back to his place, and we were playing Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. And then one thing led to another, and we ended up having sex. But then we still messaged afterwards, which is very unusual for me. Like I don't really, I don't really talk to him after. You know, we've hooked up. But this one, I was like, oh, well, maybe. Well, the second encounter was different because quarantine had literally just started. And I was like, all right, I'll go over. So go over to his place. He shows me this new game. We end up having sex. And it was like, it was really weird because the role kind of reversed. And he kind of kicked me out in a way. Like, he, he walked me into my car. He was nice about it. But... Like, it was just really weird. And then I didn't hear from him again. So you met up with a guy for a date. And then you ended up going back to his place to play video games and hang out. That turned into sex. And then you left of your own volition when you felt ready, when you felt like it was time to go on the, on the, first, the first date. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you ended up texting afterward for a little bit, maybe messaging back and forth. You decided, yeah, this is worth going out and hanging out again. Uh, but when that experience was over and the same the same tape was playing, the same experience was playing out, games, sex, leave. But this time he initiated the it's time to leave instead of you, and that felt uncomfortable for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Did you continue to, to talk and text after that, or there was just nothing? Uh, it was radio silent. <laughs> Total radio silence. Yep. Were you sexually attracted to him? I was. Um, he had his quirks. Um, I think he he wanted me to be more, like, dressed up. Like, he was really into lingerie, and um, honestly, the first time we had sex, he had, like, silk underwear on and he said that he loved the way silk felt so I was like okay like that's fine I've never encountered that before but that's fine um and I think when I showed up the next time and I wasn't in lingerie that's when he was like okay never mind wow I mean Mm -hmm. it's hard to know because there was no communication afterward it's it's hard to know what what kind of criteria he was basing the the success or or failure of the evening on I I don't I don't know. Yep. But like, so you were attracted to him enough to want to go on a second date. But when I asked you the last time you were attracted to somebody, you you didn't think of him. No, just because we didn't actually go on a second date. Like. You just hooked up twice. Yeah. 
do you think it may take you a little while to become attracted to someone? Like, it seems that you're attracted to people and you build up feelings for people that you don't have a sexual relationship with because you tend to fall in love with your friends. Yeah. I mean, that is true. And it it could honestly just be the time. And I don't know. I have to at least be sexually attracted to somebody in order to really get to know them. Because there was a guy I was talking to recently, and you would think it would be great because, like, he was a few years older than me. Um, He's into D&D and, like, all that nerdy shit. And we hit it off real great and we're talking and um, I end up meeting him and nothing, no sparks, no nothing. Like, honestly, I, and it could be because, and it sounds so terrible. It could be because he is a smoker that when we did meet up and I gave him a hug, I smelled the cigarette smoke and I was like, because I was a smoker for so many years, I just was. It was just a huge turnoff and he wouldn't make eye contact with me or anything. So immediately I was just like, and he wasn't, he wasn't really cute in my opinion. So like all the, all the things that could go wrong basically did. What was the name of the friend that you were friends with for six years um, and then developed feelings for? Justin. Justin, and were, were you attracted to Justin from the first time that you met? Did, did you think he was cute? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. So before you were even friends, you were like, I could hook up with this guy. Yeah. I was too nervous to actually do anything. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm scared to death. Like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's absurd. I still get terrified before even a first date. And, um, these days I try to have a conversation very early on with female friends because I've been on both sides of, um, I've been on both sides of the situation where I had feelings and they didn't, or they had feelings and I didn't. And Mm -hmm. once we've had the conversation about, do either of us have feelings for each other or are either of us attracted to each other? Uh, yes or no. And then based on how that goes, we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll talk about it. And then one person might need some time uh, to, to reset their baseline and come back if you still want to be friends. Um, but it's possible that one person might not be interested in friendship after that because it may be too painful or perhaps mm-hmm. they were perhaps they were looking forward to a friendship that could build into something else. That, that's totally uh, reasonable. Um, now I was, I, I went on a couple of dates with somebody a couple of years ago um, and I, I felt for her fast. Like I started having strong feelings for her and she had already been dating someone and she very respectfully let me know that the guy that she was seeing uh, suddenly just out, out of the blue asked her if they could be exclusive and she said yes and so she couldn't date me anymore and I was just crushed like my, my heart was absolutely yeah. crushed and she's like I would like for us to remain friends and I said I would love for us to remain friends but I don't think I'm capable of it right now like I need to go and reset my feelings and 
get back to a sense of normality for me? And then can I check back in with you after a while? Can you give me that space? And she's like, absolutely. And it took me, I think, three months for for me to be able to come back and honestly not have romantic feelings for her anymore. And they... Now that they're gone, I don't think they would ever come back. Um, I've I've spent time with her as a friend since then, and I'm not attracted to her at all. Oh, man. So weird. That's, yeah, that is, I mean, you're so lucky. <laughs> um, it took me, I think, the number three is, like, my go-to, because it took me three months to get over the whole Justin thing. And even then, like, it was bad like I was drinking every day for three months until I finally was like I gotta stop this um then shortly afterwards like I had gotten into to drugs for three months and then I finally stopped that and like this time with with Adam like things are a little bit better like I know how to control myself and how to I guess take it a little bit better um it's still like very, very delicate because he is a family friend. Um, I basically brought him into the family because we did martial arts together. And now that like my sister, now that he's friends with my sister and best friends with my sister-in-law, like there's no getting rid of him. And so I can't take a break without them being like oh Adam's coming over too and I'm just like oh fuck okay this is gonna be sufficiently awkward mm. um but now he started dating somebody Does and so hurt? now I'm like it hurts oh my god like I have to drive past his house sometimes um on my way home because the light at Breaker and Lamar gets too long now I just I sit it out I won't go past his house but man, when my sister was talking to him about it, I was literally in the middle of them. And my sister was like shouting over music at him. She's like, oh my God, so are y'all like boyfriend and girlfriend? And he was like, yeah. And she's like, no wonder you seemed happier. And I'm just, I'm sitting there in the middle, like fucking great. This is great conversation, you guys. And I mean, my sister's right. I should feel happy for him. But it's not with me, so I'm not that happy right now. That's completely understandable. Yeah. My sister is like, you have to get over it. You just have to get over it. I'm like, it's not that easy. No, you don't. Not that easy. You don't ever have to get over it if you if you don't want to. I I looked up my um, my fiance from when I was 18 years ago, and I saw that she moved to Texas. So two months after she broke up with me when, when I was in college, um, she got married uh, to, uh, to a guy that, that lived in our hometown. And I looked her up uh, years later and they are still married and they live here in Austin. And I thought about it years later. Um, and I thought, could I be friends with this person? And after some soul searching, I was like, yeah, Absolutely. Like if I ran into her at some kind of high school reunion or whatever, I would just be fucking glad that she met her person and that she didn't cheat on me, that she was honest, that like all of that. But it, I mean, it took me a couple years to get there. I don't, I don't even know that I was there for maybe five years because uh, it was, it was so painful. I, I think there are some people that we have strong feelings for that perhaps 
it, it is never a good idea for us to be in the same space as that person again, because those feelings are still there. And sometimes those feelings will go away on their own and sometimes they never will. Sometimes you'll just like that person in perpetuity. It, have you ever heard that phrase, yeah. like the fast, the, the easiest way to get over someone is to get under somebody else? <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> definitely it, heard that one. <laughs> I, I don't put a lot of stock in that particular, in that particular idea, but I do think that the easiest way to get over someone is to start having feelings for someone else. Um, it's not necessarily sexual, but uh, do you remember a time, the, the guy that you're talking about, his name is Adam? Uh-huh. But do you remember a time before you knew Adam? How many years ago was it before you actually met him? Now it's been like eight or nine years. I've known him for a very long time. Do you remember a time that you were happy before you knew him? Mm, the only reason I'm going to say no is because I I've also been a very depressed person. So after Justin, um, that's when I started going to Marsh Away and I was really like, down on myself and like uh it's really was justin before you ever met adam yes okay so at one point justin hung the moon adam didn't exist yeah and then adam existed and now adam hurts your heart yeah so it is possible that someone else will come along that you fall in love with and adam will no longer matter. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and I'm, I think I'm just trying to rush that. Um, well, not really, because I'm not even putting that much effort into it. Um, I got back after, on New Year's Day, my best friend and I, we were both pretty crushed. We both had like pretty bad nights. Um, and so we proceeded to get drunk and I proceeded to download every dating app that there is. <laughs> so I had Bumble, I had um, Tinder. Well, Tinder wasn't my go-to, but then I got plenty of fish and Hinge and the coffee meets bagel or something like that. And like, I literally downloaded all of the dating apps because I'm like, I'm going to fucking find somebody. Um, and that's when I met the, the dude I just went out on a date with and that ended up being kaput. Um, so it hasn't hasn't actually worked. <laughs> uh, haven't met anyone that I've been even remotely attracted to, really. I firmly believe that the purpose of those apps is not to get you to meet somebody that you actually would have compatibility with. Because it, if you if, say you downloaded Bumble and Bumble actually did what it was meant to do, so it showed you people. You, it allowed you to read a little bit about them. You swiped on them, they swiped on you. And then it, it bubbled the people up to the top that it thought would be bad, the best matches for you. And then you went on one date and it was boom, that's your person. You would never go back and use Bumble again. That defeats right. their entire business model. Their entire business model runs off of these coins and this money that you pay to get super swipes and to be a paid member and, their business model counts on you going on a lot of dates or trying to match with a lot of people. And that's true of every single one of these dating apps. I fundamentally believe that the 
business logic built into dating apps is written so that it appears to give you matches that seem like they'll be hopeful to keep you coming back for more. But in point of fact, it's matching you up with people that are never going to work out. Oh yeah. There was one, um, I can't remember what the, the app was called, but there was one app where I was like, there's too many like, like model type guys on this app. I was like, there's no way. And as I'm swiping through, a lot of them were like, oh, you matched with so-and-so. Oh, you matched with so-and-so. And so I would send out a message and I would never get a message back or it would be like an automated message. And it was just so full of so many like spammers and robots. And I was like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, you don't know how many profiles are actually fake. Um, but you have, you have a busy life right now. Uh, is a relationship something that you would like at this point and, or what would serve you best at this point in your life? What do you, what are you looking for? Honestly, like I've actually had to come to terms with it recently is I do want a relationship. I want somebody to be there for me. I want to be there for somebody as well. And I just want to have a connection with somebody who will encourage me where I can encourage somebody else. And like, I'm 32. I know I'm still young. I get that. But like, I want a family before I turn 40. Like, heaven forbid I have a kid at 40. I don't know. But I do. I want the potential to start like settling down and buying a house, having a family getting a family dog or some shit like that. I don't know. Mm. But I mean, like right now, like that's really what I want. And it's like, I can't have what I want. Why can't you have it? I haven't found anybody that is compatible. That doesn't mean you can't have it. It just means you don't yeah. have it yet. Yeah. And ugh, this is the shittiest part is like my sister, um, she was straight for many, many years. And when she found her wife, she realized that she was a lesbian. And so she turned real quick. Um, and so now she's been like, you know, you can have a baby. You don't need a man to raise a baby. Like you're, you're going to be a great mother, whether or not you have a man. And I was like, probably shouldn't be encouraging me to be a single mother. Like, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, I know I feel like I would be a great mom because I helped her raise her her babies. And so like I've got a lot of practice. But at the same time, I don't want to do it alone. And yeah. I, I I had two friends named Justin. One of them I knew since high school. His mom is like a second mom to me. And I was talking to her recently and I was telling her, I was like, Mama. Like, I want to find somebody, you know, your son just got married, this and that, like, good for him. He gets to settle down, like, have his business, start a family. Like, I'm so jealous of him. And she was like, well, you don't need a man to start a family. And I'm just like, fuck, can y'all stop telling me that? I don't want to be a single mom. 
it, it seems like they mean well, like they're trying to give you messages of empowerment, but at the same time, we can hear those. And, and instead, what we hear sometimes is you're going to be alone, so you can do this on your own. Exactly. And I've always joked that, you know, when I get older, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. I'm going to be that crazy cat lady who lives on the beach. And <laughs> I'm going to take my cats walking on the beach while I sit by my white claws or something. Like I had this whole like spiel down. And now I'm like, I don't want to be the crazy cat lady. <laughs> okay. So I have a hard question for you. Is that okay? Okay. Okay. You're like, oh no, this is not okay. I, I don't want to. No, okay. So I have a, I have a, I have a hard question for you. Um, say I knew the perfect guy. Say, say I was a matchmaker, like a traditional um, arranged marriage matchmaker, right? And say I had three incredibly good candidates for marriage for you. And they were looking to date somebody clever and funny and pretty and somebody that's looking to have a family, someone who has their own job um, and, and is, is motivated, someone who really fits your personality type and the things that you have to offer. And I wanted to tell these three guys, I have this amazing woman I would like you to meet. Uh, I think you guys are aligned in terms of core values, in terms of what you're looking for. And I would like to set you up on, on dates to, to get to know each other. How could I set those guys up and set you up for success in getting you to meet each other? And what would a healthy process or a process that feels comfortable for you look like in that situation? If, I showed you their three profiles and you were like, yeah, they look sexy. They look qualified for me. They seem to meet my standards. What would be comfortable for you as a process to move toward dating and then a relationship and then somebody becoming your partner? Hmm. Well, I think... Hmm, that is a hard question. <laughs> um, I mean, I would probably say, like, obviously texting is the preferred method for people. But I think if I were to see their profiles and see what they look like, and I was like, okay, like, I'm attracted to them. Honestly, I think phone calls would help me, like, break out of my shell a little bit more. Because obviously, like, when I talk and I'm flustered, I can be sitting over here blushing and it's fine, but that's a natural reflex for me to, to do that. Um, but it would also help me get more comfortable with them. So when we do go on a date, I wouldn't be so inclined to run if mm. that makes any sense. Yeah. So you could, you could initially start, getting to know somebody through phone calls, if you had already seen a couple of their pictures and knew that there was a high likelihood that you would be attracted to them, yeah. then, then phone calls would be okay. Yes. And then over phone calls, you could mitigate some of that fight or flight um, response that you and I have. Some of that fear, you could, you could lessen some of the fear and get mm -hmm. to know them. And then 
say phone calls are going really well, what does the next step look like for you? And how do you communicate that to one of them? So I, I am a feminist. I am fully like for women power, independence, like make your own bread, make your own money, this whole thing. But for a first date, I want the guy to decide. I want the guy to be like, I want to go here or at least be like, what's your favorite food? Let's go to this restaurant. Let's meet up here. Let's do this. Like, I want the guy to plan it out. That's fair. And that's not, that's not an uncommon perception or that's not an uncommon desire. There is a caveat though, which is that you are the one setting the pace for your comfort here. If, if you leave it up to the guy, the guy might be like, hey, do you want to meet tonight at 7 p.m.? And you're like, well, can we start off with phone calls? Can we start off with getting to know each other? Now you're asking the guy to move at your pace. So if you're asking them to move at your pace, don't you have to be the one to say, okay, now I'm comfortable with a first date. You go plan it. Like I'm free Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 7 p.m. Come up with a plan and get back to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see myself doing that, too. I could be like, okay, although the last date that I went on, I planned it because I wanted to go somewhere. Maybe I should plan it. I don't know. That's a very difficult question. <laughs> you don't have to plan it. I'm, I'm saying you can you can tell them to plan it, but if, if you're the one setting the pace of the relationship and saying, I want to talk on the phone three times, it doesn't matter. Like I want to talk on the phone a minimum of two times. And then if we talk a third time, we're probably going to meet up. And then, uh, and then I want you to plan a date and you, you tell them you plan a date. I want to go on a date. I don't want to plan it because I like to feel like the woman plan it for this Friday or Saturday. I'm free. Um, or some night that you're free, like just check with me. And, but don't you don't, since you're the one setting the pace of, of, hey, let's do phone calls first, don't you have to be the one to at least tell them, okay, now we are graduating from phone calls to dates? Yes. Yeah, I can, I can do that. So if we do that, if, say, you talked, say you saw some pictures of a guy and you really thought he was attractive, and it's all green lights, everything looks good, no red flags, um, you talk a little bit on the phone, you're feeling more secure, you, you meet up in person, they're... They're kind, they're compassionate, they treat the waiter nicely, you, they, they look better than their pictures, um, everything seems to be going well. What happens at this point in terms of your comfort level? Is it, how does that, how does that date go so that you feel desired and so that you feel comfortable? What does that date look like? Quite honestly, I would have to feel a little uncomfortable at the end of the date because I'm so used to ending the date at somebody's place. I don't, I think if it's going to be someone that I'm going to be dating and possibly like ending up with, it would have to be first date for sure. No sex. That's uncomfortable for me, but I'll, you know, that's fine. Like I could see the date ending with like a kiss on the cheek or something or or definitely like a kiss and be like I'll text you tomorrow or something of the sort that way I know that he's still interested 
but we're not getting to that physical level so quickly. Yeah. But what, what feels comfortable to us is what we are familiar with. So you already, you already indicated that, you know, that what would feel comfortable is going home with the other person, having sex and, and proceeding in, in the normal way that you proceeded before, but that's not what you are saying that you want. What you, what you're saying you want is you would be, you would rather be in the discomfort of the unfamiliar at the end of the date where there's not going to be sex and perhaps agree to it ahead of time, set that expectation ahead of time. Look, we're going to talk on the phone and then, yes, I'd like to go on a date. I don't want us to have sex. I want to to respect those boundaries, at least on date number one and date number two, it's going to be minimum of three buddy. And then after date one is done, you want to communicate that you're interested. You want them to communicate to you that they're interested, maybe some, some kissing, something to show, to show you that they are not just a friend, not in the friend zone. They are more interested than previous experiences where you had feelings for someone and it was not reciprocated. You need something. I think you need something to show that that is not the case again. And then right. once, once you can feel safer that that's not the case again, then even though it's going to be uncomfortable because it's not familiar, then going out and doing it again. And if you can go on another date and they show up consistently again, maybe start that date with a kiss. Hey, it's good to see you again. A real hug, like a, a, a good hug. And maybe some some sitting closer to each other, some feeling comfortable around each other. Maybe like a gradual growing of intimacy will help you feel more secure and more appreciated and reinforced that first, they don't just want sex, but secondly, they also aren't on the other end of the spectrum where they just want to be your friend. Yeah, exactly. I can't see it happening like in my own head. Like it's really hard for me to imagine something like that just because it feels like it's so far fetched, especially in this day and age. I don't know. What's funny is that is exactly what most women I speak to are asking for. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're asking for, I would like to get to know you a little bit over time. Uh, Yeah. Some women can tell whether they are sexually attracted to somebody from the beginning. Some can't. But they would like some consistency, and they'd like to get to know a person, and they'd like to grow what they call organically. I agree with it. Uh, they'd like to, they'd like things to move organically toward getting to know each other better. The biggest thing that I see that prevents people from ending up in relationships is when they say that that's what they want, that then they behave in a contradictory manner. They behave in a contradictory manner. So they'll say, for instance, um, I've spoken to some women who will say, Hey, I really just want to get to know a guy before anything gets physical. And then I'm looking for a long-term partner and I want to have a long-term relationship, but then they'll describe dates or they'll go on dates where they don't even hold the other person's hand. They, they don't, they won't kiss them after two, three dates. Um, they say they don't know if they're even attracted to them at that point. And they're like, but the person should want to be with me and should want things to continue evolving organically. And I'm like, 
you gotta you gotta give them something. Like it, I'm not saying you have to put out. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But you gotta give them some kind of indication that you are romantically interested, and they're not just in emotional limbo in the friends group over here. But that really is, I think, is a, is a form of self sabotage where they think they are ready for emotional availability and emotional intimacy, but they're not. And that's totally fine. I think you just have to own up to it. On mm-hmm. on your side, you know going into this that you're going to feel uncomfortable. You, you know that you're going to be asking for a type of dating and type of behavior that you haven't done before and you don't even know that the other person has done before. Um, I think it's entirely valid for you to spell it out from the beginning and say, look, if you want to hang out, this is what you're, this is what you're in for. Yeah. And I, I actually recently had to tell this guy that I was not interested in him. So I feel like if I did meet up with somebody and it just wasn't there, like I, I'm scared to tell guys no or like how I feel just because I've had that rebuttal like, oh, you're just a whore anyways, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm more inclined to do that than to keep something going and not feel anything and just keep stringing the guy along. Absolutely. The kindest thing that we can do for people around us in terms of romantic interactions is to just be honest with them. Agreed. The stronger the feelings that somebody has, typically the stronger the reaction they're going to have. Um, people can get very upset. People can be very hurt. But it's better for that to happen earlier rather than later. And it's also better to know how somebody is going to handle rejection uh, earlier rather than later. Um, it's, it's also completely valid to say, hey, I would like for us to remain friends. Uh, but if that's not possible for you, then I totally, I totally understand it. Um, but, it, I mean, it sounds to me like you're asking for something completely reasonable. You're asking for a, a type of dating that maybe people don't, maybe people don't commonly do anymore, but that used to be, I don't even know that it used to be the norm, but in my opinion, it should be the fucking norm. Like, hey, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk a little bit, see if we even have anything in common. And then let's go to the grocery store and fucking hang out, or let's do some random shit, like go to Hop Dotties and get some food and play some putt-putt, do whatever, the boring stuff, go get some drinks, do whatever. And then let's do that like two or three or four or five or six times until both of us are comfortable enough and also horny enough. We feel like we want to take it to the next level. But for me, I would rather not get physical with somebody until I feel emotionally safe that I'm going to sleep with them and then they're going to call me the next day. Cause too many times I've slept with somebody and then I'm like, so this is, this is a thing. Right. And they're like, Oh no, sweetie. Uh, oh no. Oh, yeah. Bless your heart. No. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like, I feel like this is karma for when I was that person. When I was the person that was like, oh, no, this is nothing. Like, sorry, but you just slept with a bitch. Ha <laughs> ha. Joke's on you. I read this article this morning, I think. Um, 
don't know, today's been a Monday, but I read this article recently that talked about how important words are in terms of internal dialogue and how important it is that we talk to ourselves the way that we would like other people to talk to us because our thoughts are based on this kind of self discussion. And one of the things the article was talking about is like, we shouldn't call ourselves whores. We shouldn't say that we're shit. We shouldn't do all of these other things because oh, like, oops. yeah, like this, in, this internal name calling apparently um, can be very, can be very harmful. Um, and I've, I've thought about that over, that over the last couple of years, just like treating myself with a little bit of kindness, you know? Um, but sometimes it's fucking, you know, sometimes it's hard. I'll, like I'll get off the, uh, another another date will go poorly and I'll be really interested in somebody and date number two like seemed like it was great and then I'm, I'm just I'm basically just waiting for the text for them to say yeah I don't really want to go out on a third date and then it, and then it arrives and I'm like motherfucker like like you you knew this was gonna fucking happen like it's never <laughs> but but I try not I try not to do it you know what I mean so what do you think like are you are you hopeful that that you want a, a relationship? Do you want to take a break for a while and just focus on school, focus on the other shit going on? What do you want to do? I think I'd want to focus on a relationship more. Like school's school's easy for me. I just need to get through this first semester and everything will be fine. But I don't know. I feel like I've taken, I've put my life on the back burner and focused on everything else. So now I want to focus on myself. Or like in a relationship. Is school totally remote now? Yes. Yeah. So meeting people through school, is that an option? Probably not. Not unless, well, most of the people that are in the school, like, because I'll be going to ACC. Um, so most of them are really young. Chill, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not into that. Rob that cradle. Come on. You know, what? You, you like to be the alpha woman a little bit, you know, like. <laughs> I do, but also I like to be dominated. So it's like, like what you would call a switch. <laughs> so you got to know when is when. Okay. So maybe not school, uh, work. Uh, could, do you meet, do you meet available guys through work? Ew, no, none of them are cute. All of them are married. I don't know how. Yeah. Okay. Are Are there any opportunities for you to meet single men that you might be attracted to in person rather than on applications? During this quarantine? No. <laughs> hmm. Um, because bars are out of the question. Yep. Because they're all closed. Unless I meet someone at the brewery, like I'll go to Circle and have a few beers there. But there's not really a lot of single guys going to the breweries. They're usually guys with their girlfriends. Mm. But there yeah. are the breweries themselves. There are, and I mean, there's something attractive about a guy who knows how to work a bat. I'm just saying, dude. Yeah, <laughs> the the head brewer there is super super hot uh he's got a girlfriend obviously um but like he he's like next level hot it's ridiculous i don't even know if you can be a brewer without having a beard uh he shaved his beard once and i no, no you cannot <laughs> <laughs> 
Just disqualified. Just disqualified. Exactly. <laughs> That's a no go, sir. No go. <laughs> should be a should be a sign on the doors like beards required. <laughs> like the bathrooms, the bathrooms should be labeled women and beards. <laughs> like, actually, I think all I think all bathrooms should be unisex, but that's just me. I don't know. Well, for, at Java for a long time, it had it had like a unicorn on the door. Yeah, I like that actually. I thought that was awesome. I, I thought like, that was pretty yeah, good. Creatures. <laughs> so, is there anything that still scares you, or anything? that you are worried about in, in trying to meet somebody with online dating or moving forward, looking for what you want? I'm just scared that no one's going to want me. I think that's like, a, I feel like I've just tainted. Jaded, taint. However you want. <laughs> you feel tainted. Like I think we, I think we're all scared that nobody's going to want us. I mean, I feel that way almost all the time. So yeah, I was gonna say, how? Why would you feel that way? No, I, I guess that proves. I, I feel that way uh, every day because I I have been rejected so many times that sometimes it feels like eventually I have to accept. Accept it's a statistical inevitability. <laughs> like that's that's if you surveyed uh, three hundred women that I've been on dates with, like. 260 of them would say no not interested that's these are not good these are not good statistics I'm just i'm just saying yeah i think most of us are afraid that nobody's ever going to want us yeah but you obviously know that that's not true because you have had people say they wanted you and you have been the one that said you're not interested it's true that is very true so it's not that nobody wants you. It's that you're afraid the people you won't, sorry, you're, you're afraid the people that you want won't want you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Now to overcome that, <laughs> that's the difficult part. I mean, the great thing about the pursuit of a committed partner and somebody that's going to help you build that family that you dream of having is that only one person that you really, really want has to say yes. You only have to win once. If you're looking to go out and just get laid over and over and over again, you have to go out and do it again. Like every week you're, scraping together numbers and doing all this stuff and texting and playing these games. And then you do your hookup and then you run before the other person can run. And then you have to go through the whole process again. This process that you're thinking of doing is way less work. It's, it's much more direct. It's much more communicative. You can be as upfront as you want, let people self-select out, let people say, yes, I'm interested. No, I'm not. But only one of them has to say, Yes, and only once do they have to say yes and you have to say yes and then just keep saying yes each day. Oh. When we look at it that way, it's not it's not that far fetched. No, it's not that bad. The problem is it just right. hurts a lot in the meantime. 
It does. Um, I just, I also feel like I've been so accustomed to the, the hurt and the pain that, I don't know, sometimes I feel numb from it all. So I feel like if I were to get a yes, that would totally throw me off. Like, just be like, what? Yeah. You said yes? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's a, that's a weird thing to think about for me. But, like, already in my head, I'm thinking of, like, all right, what can I do for a date? <laughs> I try to go on dates that I think the other person will find makes them feel special and that they'll find fun. Um, but I also try to go on dates that will make me feel special and, and let me have a good time. Um, like, I recently took a date uh, that I was very interested in dating uh, to the drive-in movies. And we went and saw Dirty Dancing. Because I thought it would be oh, really cool. cool to be like, you know, go to the drive-in, get the candy, like throw candy at each other across the, the car and and sing along with the songs if we wanted to. Just be, be a little ridiculous, but also be a little nostalgic. And um, she's like 45, 43, and I'm 41. So we would grow up with this, with this movie. And mm-hmm. um so I try to pick things like that that are that are fun for me, but also fun for them. That way, even if there's, even if it's a bust and the, the woman turned out not to be interested, she texted me before our third date and just kind of canceled it. Um, but even even if that's the case, I'm still like, well, I got to see a pretty damn good movie, and I laughed a lot and I had a good time. It's still heartbreaking, but but it was a it was a fun experience. Um, yeah, I honestly don't think there's a good way to get your hopes dashed. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> these days, I think if you're actually interested in somebody, even if you communicate to them, honestly, that you're actually interested, you're probably going to feel uncomfortable because it's new and it's different. They're going to feel uncomfortable because nobody talks that way. Nobody communicates about feelings honestly or says what they expect upfront. It's going to be uncomfortable for both of you. But if you talk about that going in, maybe, just maybe, like, it'll be fucking fun. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping. Like, I, the last guy that I, I was talking to, um, he he had asked me, he was like, all right, so what are some things that have been off-putting for the guys that you've talked to before? And I'm like, well, I'm brutally honest, like... I try and tone it back some, but I, if I'm feeling something, I feel like I need to tell whoever it is I'm talking to, like, sorry, today's not a good day. Like, I'm not having a good mental health day. And some some people are like, oh, that's that's too much information. I don't want to know about your problems. Um, but some guys can understand. So it's a good take. Have you ever made a list of the things that people could say that immediately disqualify them as a potential partner? No. This is something that I've been thinking about doing. I, I made a list not long ago of emotional needs and which which needs I have that could be satisfied by friends and family, by myself, and which needs are really specific to a partner. But I've been thinking about like, if I met somebody and I was really attracted to them physically, emotionally, intellectually, what are some things that they could say? Not necessarily do, because I know the things they could do, but what are some things they could say that for me would just be total deal breakers? Like if they said, 
yeah, I cheated on my husband um, uh, for about a year and a half, uh, but uh, that wasn't really my fault. That should probably be on my bucket list. Um, yeah, I would say so. Or if they said, like, um, uh, there was this one girl that we used to pick on in high school so bad. Like, oh, my God, she was such an idiot. Uh, this this person was such a nerd. Uh, and I, I don't know what, uh, you know, I don't know what, I don't know where they are now, but I hope they killed themselves. Like, that should probably be on my list. Like, there are, oh, some, yeah. there are some obvious things, right, that go on the fucking list. But yeah, I wonder what some things are that... You know, people, I wonder what some things are that, that guys could say for you that you'd just be like, nope. Um, well, I do know for sure if any guy is like, yeah, I'm, I only tip like 10% if they're good or something like that. Like that taps into my server mind. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I don't think that one should be on the list because you couldn't always educate them. I've educated a lot of my friends on how to tip. Um, so I don't know. I think that's a bad example. I don't know. Think? I think it's a really good example because it, it shows that, uh, that for me, how people tip shows how they treat strangers. And if they treat strangers with kindness um, or if they treat strangers transactionally like in a very business kind of mindset you're not buying something from best buy you're you're having a more a longer you're having a longer interaction with a person so and especially since i've waited tables and you've spent a lot of time waiting tables like if somebody's a bad tipper that might just be a bad match for you but you mentioned you mentioned just a couple minutes ago um that you uh you know when, when talking with a guy you would say i'm having a bad mental health day and they and they would say something like ah i don't i don't want to know what's what's going on with to me that is a warning phrase i i don't want to know what's actually going on with you that's yeah that that means you don't give a shit oh yeah that and i'm very liberal in my thoughts like i love politics and a lot of people do not like discussing politics I don't care if you're libertarian or Republican or independent. I don't care. If we can have a civil conversation about politics, we're fine. Doesn't mean that I'm only looking at liberals to like fucking mate with. Yeah. That's not true. I have best friends who are Republican and we get along just fine. Yeah. That, so. I mean, that could be a big one just because, you want to be able to respect the person that you're with. For, for me, it's less important what they believe. It's more important that they can um, eloquently explain to me why they believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, let's say a Trump supporter or something, I probably would not get along with or have the same ideals as a Trump supporter would. So. Probably not. And that's, that's just me because I'm – I'm Hispanic. My parents are from Mexico. And so I have empathy towards, you know, the border. And I have a lot of feelings. And I have very strong opinions about how I feel the world should work. And I'm very much supportive of a community rather than the individual. And America is not like that, unfortunately. So I don't think I would... Get along with the Trump supporter very well. That, I mean, that's good to know. That's that's a 
that's a really good disqualifier that you can use pretty early on. If, if somebody is pro children in cages or building huge walls in between one country and another, that's probably not somebody that aligns with your core values. Exactly. That's good. I mean, it sounds, I mean, sounds to me like you're open and, and ready for love. It's just, there's still some fear, which is natural. And there's some hesitancy, mm-hmm. which is natural. And then it's like, well, how the fuck do you meet somebody right now during social distancing and COVID? But honestly, it may be the perfect time for you because there is more of an understanding right now with people looking for true connection. Uh, There's more of an understanding right now between people that are looking to meet someone and not just a hookup that there is going to be conversation before a physical meeting. That I think right now, more than any time in the last 25 years, people are more understanding of, hey, let's talk a little before we go and meet up for coffee or go and meet up for whatever. And let's take things physically a little slower because I have to go see my grandma next week and I I can't take COVID into her house. Right. That is actually, that is very true. I didn't think about COVID actually being good for the dating scene. <laughs> it might actually be really good for for what you and I are looking for right now. True. Very, very true. Just want a connection. I just I want somebody to like want me. That would just be fantastic right now. <laughs> what I have to keep in mind is that there are family members that love me and want me, um, even though I was a shit for a number of years. And they still want to be part of my daily life. And then there are friends that continue to reach out, uh, not daily, but but every once in a while, and just say things like, hey, I appreciate you, or, or hey, I'm glad, I'm glad that we're friends, or whatever. And it just... It gives me a little bit of hope. It gives me just enough um, feeling of, of affirmation and appreciation for me to go. You know, it's not that nobody wants me. It's just that I haven't found my person yet. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Yeah, that is true. Like I, I made a post the other day. I think about like how I was feeling or how I was like not feeling very well or something. And I just got so many of my friends and family like posting that they loved me and that, you know, things are going to be okay. And I just remember thinking, holy crap, I didn't expect so many people to like respond to it. I mean, maybe like react to it, you know, like a little thumbs up or something, but to actually reply, that was a shocker. It's just one of those where I didn't realize how many people cared about me even if they are far away. Yeah. To me, the sex is the emoji of relationships these days. It's, it's the heart emoji, but there aren't any actual words or feelings behind it. It's the thumbs up emoji. Like you're great enough to fuck. It's the call the next day. It's the, the text in the morning. That's like, Hey, good morning. I hope you have a great day. It's the person trying to hold my hand that is far more impactful. That really hits me in the heart and makes me feel 
appreciated. And when I think about it, that's what I really want. Beautifully said. That is, that's like hitting the nail on the head. I think you'll find it. I think now that you know what you're looking for, you'll find it. Yeah, I didn't think this talk would go into all that. <laughs> I'm glad it did, though. <laughs> that's that's the great thing about conversations with friends is like, like I, I think you and I just kind of get each other too, and I think I think the people who actually get us, I think when we talk to each other, we realize new things about ourselves and about the other person. And that's why we keep coming back. Yeah. And that's the best, that's the best kind of communication. Like I love learning something new every day. Like just, just that phrase alone just makes me hopeful that tomorrow's going to be a better day because I'm going to learn something new. And so with this conversation, like really cracking down and figuring out what it is I want in life and what I want in a partner and how I want to, how I can see things going. It's like what you put out in the universe is what it gives back to you. So I can see that, see it happening now. That's what I hope for. I don't know if anybody actually lives at the addresses that I'm mailing these love letters of my heart to. It's like I, it's like I put down what I want and I, and I put down where I am and my boundaries and I throw a stamp on it and go throw it in some metaphysical blue post box and it gets mailed off. And I, I don't, I think I'm just picking fucking addresses at random, but I just hope that one of these days, like I, I get a Christmas card back. That's like, Hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. And, and I was thinking of you and, and it ends up being my person. It, it's kind of a, it's really stupid and, and silly, but I don't know. Uh, it's like dead letters. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That like the, the whole idea of dead letters and going to a place that's undeliverable, but is still out there in the world. That's like one of my favorite things to think about. And there's a, there's a film that Kevin Costner did called message in a bottle that, that makes me cry every time I see this movie. I've never seen it. If you haven't, yeah, if you haven't seen it, you should go. You should go find that. It's uh, it it will it will definitely make you cry. <laughs> I've been looking for a movie that makes me cry. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. I had a lot of fun, and it was just good to catch up with you. Yeah, it was good talking to you. Okay, I know that was a really long episode of the Dating Debrief, but thank you for sticking with us all the way through to the end. I hope you enjoyed Sarah's story and her path on her realization toward what she really wants and what kind of partnership she's looking for. Follow us on your favorite podcasting service. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you look these days. If you would like to be on the show, I promise I'll get my mic settings correct the next time, shoot me an email at show at thedatingdebrief.com.